If you are like me interested in writing, poetry, technology, psychology, storytelling, then today's conversation is a treat for you. Hi there, my name is Aditi Sarana. I'm a behavioral analyst, a high performance coach and founder of India's only mental gym called Apt. If you follow me on any of the social media platforms and you already know this, we are starting our new batch on 10th of July and the concept for this entire year that we're going to work on the mental gym is finding your flow. You know, that whole experience where you feel completely immersed in an activity, in your work, in the project that you're doing, and you forget about the time, you forget about what's happening outside, you forget your stress, everything is just gone because you're so engrossed, so engaged with what you do. That is a state of flow. So the whole year process with everyday small techniques and tool of mental fitness to find your flow. If you haven't checked it out, go to the website. The link is apptomentalgym.com. So let me introduce you to our guest on the show today, Rishi Gaurav Bhatnagar, Forbes 30 under 30, an author, Intel software innovator, 25 under 25 in science and tech, a storyteller, a product guy, experimenter, and a habit cracker. But the most important part that I found in Rishi's handwriting and his personality in this conversation is his vulnerability. As you listen to the conversation, you'll know how willing he is to explore that corner of his personality, of his mind, where he can improve, he can grow, he can change something. I believe that one thing is for all of us to learn and embrace because we all need to look at ourselves with all honesty. So without further ado, let me invite Rishi in the conversation and let's get started. Hi Rishi, welcome to Absolutely Right. Hi Aditi, thank you for having me. So every time I talk to our guests, I always feel the curiosity about their journey with handwriting. When I met you for the first time in Bangalore, the conversation in like, I think first three minutes became poetic. We started talking about life and psychology. And that's such a rare thing for me to find. Generally, you know, I struggle with small talks and we didn't have any. So that was the moment where I'm like, I think I found my next podcast guest. So I just want to know more about your journey with writing at large, not only handwriting, but like writing. And it was so poetic to talk to you and so nice for you to explore life and, and discuss those deep observations. I think, I think I have the other struggle, which is people who are willing to have, willing to hold space for themselves and have a conversation like that. Um, mm. it's, I think it's rarer to find because... I mean, especially at, you know, your typical networking event, it's, hey, I'm this, I do this. And <laughs> what can I do, do for you? Or, and, you know, here is my LinkedIn. What can you do for me? Yeah. <laughs> and what can you do for me? And I think my strategy typically in a networking event has, uh, you know, has been find the quietest person in the room and get to know them outside of their titles and achievements and degrees. And ask them, hey, if I were to remove all the titles and we were not to talk about LinkedIn, who are you? What's your story? Mm. And and it's surprising how often uh, the people who are willing to still have that conversation, how op- often they feel like, oh, this one is actually trying to listen. So yeah, I think um, it was one of those and I'm very grateful for our conversation. My journey with writing, I don't know. I think uh, I remember growing up, I used to never read or write. Uh, primarily because I mean right outside of of course assignments and stuff uh, which I had to do and then um, I think over the years uh, what I realized was 
the only way my mind can become say a plus plus version like in you know in, in engineering we talk about c and c plus plus this and that plus plus right my, the only way my mind can grow a little is one by absorbing new information which is coming outside of hey listening to this watching that because that doesn't really stay with me um mm. so for instance i would watch a motivational video i will feel excited mm. and then 30 minutes later it's gone mm. and then i think over the years as i've like studied a little bit more about a, about a lot a lot of random things one of the things that that has stood out for me is a question to be asked when consuming content is is it exciting you or is it moving you the content that is exciting me uh is mo- uh, is giving me like a dopamine dopamine hit but it's often like uh it's all often an adrenaline rush right so mm-hmm. it's like a oh great spike oh wow right yeah but that doesn't stay the things that move me are uh again apparently chemically speaking it's it's connecting me me it's it's sort of uh inducing a secretion of oxytocin which mm. is a very trust hormone right so like that's the hormone which a child and mother sort of you know when they that's touch true. they feel safe they safe through it when you when you watch mm. something emotional uh which is true to you and you feel true in your mm. gut that you know what this is this is something here right it moved me so things mm. that have moved me have stayed with me uh so reading was one of the places where i found to be moved of course mm. i mean there is a lot of there is a lot of uh, surface level content which, which is great if you are just wanting to like pick information but for me specifically i wanted to go deeper in things so that um so that it moves me so that something actually stays i don't have to remember it it's like internalized you know in 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 the right context not the wrong context and as i started writing uh, sorry as i started reading a lot of the random things just mm-hmm. kept coming some of them stayed some of them evolved i don't know let's like my my mind started processing them in good ways and bad because they were mm-hmm. you know sometimes i would just overdo it and like i would like read like two books back to back in a week and then over a weekend i'm unable to sleep because there are so many things that they are opening up it's like a tiny window in your mind which you didn't yeah. even know existed mm-hmm. but suddenly it's opening up and i'm like i can't i can't live like this i need for this content for this noise to come out somewhere so okay. that i can go back to sleep okay. and i think that's where i started writing a lot more mm-hmm. um and so that's my journey with writing initially it started uh, with you know the, the typical perfectionism kida that i have which is to say hey if i'm writing something it has to be like the best essay 500 okay. words nothing less <laughs> and all that and i'm like but like but why like i'm not getting i'm not getting marks for it the only person who's going to read it is me right so then i started just you know sometimes two lines come to me i write them down and the more i get them out of my mind onto paper or a notes app the easier it becomes for me to like come back to the present um mm. feel your toes like that's one of the things that i can keep going back to like are you able to feel your uh, toes uh, and if i'm not able to i know something is off and i need to write you know so it's one of those things so that's been my journey with writing uh, i think any beautiful. any any random day like a lot of the things just just keep coming to me like they have no context that i don't know where it's coming from initially i you know spent a lot of time saying hey am i just anxious is it relevant content and i'm like it doesn't matter something mm-hmm. is coming i need to like put it out so that i can get my brain back so that's my journey about, writing i speak a lot about journaling and i feel uh, i i tell people that if you start journaling whenever you do 
it helps you create a process of trust building. If you keep showing up to the journaling process every day, five minutes, seven minutes, the time doesn't matter, but you show up every day so that your body and your mind starts trusting that you can come here and really download whatever you believe in. And if you don't do it in a, in a consistent way, then you know you can do it, but your body and your mind won't trust it. So what you're saying is so valid and so beautiful. So I have your handwriting sample with me, Rishi. We asked you to write on a blank, unruled sheet of paper. And like your thoughts, like your excitement, you know, has it in for you, all the writing moved upwards, which means uh, the baseline, the imaginary line on which we write, which is really important aspect, at least for me as a graphologist, I always begin, I think the baselines tell you a lot. So for our students of graphology or people who are curious about it, never ever miss a chance of looking at an unruled sheet of writing paper. And that's really, really important. But when the writing goes upward, that means a lot. That means you're excited about multiple things in life. You're always willing to help in whichever way you can contribute. Sometimes you don't have the bandwidth to do it, but you're like, hey, can I spend like 15 minutes thinking about the solution? They might not need me uh, with that solution, but let me come up with it in case they want it. So a lot of your mental projects have been about finding those solutions and being available, being ready. Now, what that has done to you over these years is you are solution-oriented no matter what. So optimistic in many ways, but you know, optimistic as a word is overused, but solution oriented is what I would place you as. Sometimes excitement takes over and that excitement, you know, just becomes way too much than what you can focus on. That could be the reverse challenge that you must be facing, according to me. Yeah, um, damn, you got that right. Uh, <laughs> on our show, we for say absolutely right. <laughs> That's you got it absolutely right. <laughs> you got it absolutely right. So, yeah, I think um, I like to say post-pandemic, but with the realization that we are still in it. Uh, like Pre-pandemic, I think I generally was a lot more optimistic in life. Just, just you know, leaning into, hey, you know, something positive can happen. And I think I over-indexed on it only to realize that I don't feel optimism anymore. Hmm. Um, and I don't know, like, from a definition of it, what's the difference between optimism and hope? Uh, but I do feel a lot more hopeful in life generally. Mm. Um, I think so for the entire duration of the pandemic, I, I lived alone by myself. Um, and of course, you were not meeting friends. You were, I mean, I was, I was holding a lot of spaces for others. We were doing like a lot of Zoom calls. I was singing songs for, for random folks on Zoom. Okay. Uh, and as I was doing it, I realized that yeah, you're right that, you know, I, I want to help. I want to do anything at all that I can do to help. And I, and I do want to like solve for whatever, you know, shows up in front of me, which is great. Like, especially in work context, mm -hmm. but it's equally, it's equally difficult to know that you can solve a problem and yet to first listen to what does the other person need. Mm. Um, so often, you know, a friend would call me and I'll be like, Hey, here's how you solve it. But he's like, and they're like, no, no, but dude, like, I don't want you to solve for it. Mm -hmm. I want, I want somebody to listen. Yeah. Solution, I will figure it out. If not by, by hook or by crook, like one way or the other, I'll get to the solution. But can you listen? So my struggle has been very lately uh, is how do I, how do I listen better? Okay. And because like when I'm hearing something, my brain immediately jumping into 
solve, solve, solve. Here, here is what you can do. Here is what you can do. Here is what you can do. But now I'm taking a step back. I think in the last year or so, to truly listen, and instead of diving so deep in solution space, uh, and attaching my identity to it, saying, "Hey, I can solve for anything," go back and be uh-huh. like, "Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to sit with the problem space. I just want to understand the problem." Um, and and often there are no problems; they are just difficult emotions, mm-hmm. and. and to learn to sit with them i think uh, it's 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 one of the harder things that i'm trying to learn but mm-hmm. uh, yeah you you got it absolutely right i <laughs> this is this is a little freaky i mean i i won't i won't i won't deny because uh, yeah you got so, that absolutely right so the aspect of not being completely available to the other person i would call it selective listening and the handwriting mm. stroke for it is the lower case letter e without any loop and if you look mm. at your writing sample there are many of them that, that do not have those open loops there now what yeah. can a selective listener do to change that perspective like listening skills i feel as a coach also as a person has been my my favorite thing to work on and i feel you can't work on it enough because in one conversation where you are judgmental when you are rushing to the solution or when you are asking people to like get to the point you lost it and it's an everyday practice that you have to be at it so as a coach i still can switch on that mode but while running the business when you want to get things done it just becomes difficult to keep that mode on right or like while talking to families at that time you know you just want to like rush to the conclusion but one thing i feel and somebody taught me this one of my teachers is like it doesn't matter what people are speaking you're not listening to what they're saying you're listening to who they become when they speak with it. speak with you speak about the problem and that one little shift changed everything for me i'm like who do they mm. become because sometimes they become heroes they become victims they become complainers they become solution solve problem solvers solution focused people or they become bitchy judgmental so you are nobody to decide who they are or why are they saying your job is to just see them evolve into these different characters who they become when they ride mm-hmm. that emotional tide how their character completely evolves into this different person altogether and that yeah that never stops me from observing people now like and for many years i've been using this little shift in perspective but it's extremely important i feel you you are absolutely right again so in one of those things when you know thoughts were coming to me and i didn't know what to do i i, I remember just sitting down and writing something around stories and this is what showed up uh i think we are all just buying and selling stories <laughs> telling stories listening to stories some to others but mostly to ourselves yeah and uh, and then you know it then it hit me that listen the forget the facts of a situation my my understanding of myself is actually deeply rooted in a narrative that i am telling myself right so am i a victim am i the champion of this am i an idiot am i like <laughs> am i mean, just this chill guy going through life i don't know but like all of those judgments are in the narrative true Absolutely. it could just be that i woke up opened the door got you know for for somebody to like deliver food and then eat the food like those are the facts yeah 
but i'm creating a narrative oh i woke up like this and this was the background <laughs> music and then my mind is telling me that oh you can't even cook in the house why are you eating unhealthy food right. you know like it's the Absolutely. narrative where it's you know things really try to get uh, get all messy so we are just all buying and selling stories so uh, mostly to ourselves i have a favorite line here i i tell people that do not buy the story you sell Hmm. Because so many times we have this one narrative that we create to to tell it to one person who we want to convince, so you know whatever that is, and then we constantly keep repeating that narrative as if it is the truth. And after some time, we start believing in it. You're like, oh, this is my problem. Obviously, yeah, yeah. I'm stressed. Oh, obviously, this is happening. But but it is it's, it's like you know you can sell whatever stories you want because that depends on who you are interacting with what you need to do but do not buy those stories yourself it's just, that's like yeah. the last thing to do yeah and and i think the the only mantra that has kept me just checking on my old bullshit is wait as i'm telling the story can i feel my toes oh wow this really I... actually that's so important what you're saying such a small little thing but feeling your toes means yeah. being present in the moment Yeah. Right? Like, yeah because if i'm not mm-hmm. i'm i'm again just like using the record in my head which is now stuck to like communicate but it's not me talking it's the voice in my head doing its thing uh, it could be to to look cool it could be to gather appreciation or gather sympathy but then there is an agenda in that conversation and that takes away from me being present and yeah playing to the mess. peanut gallery that that's what we get into right you're like oh this is working let me yeah. just put it to show these small yeah. things are so powerful and so beautiful the second thing that i i am seeing in your writing is the third but uh, the aspect of planning and executing things to the t like you are this creative mm. person you can come up with so many ideas and you can jump from one thing to the other but what people do not see and and they feel that you are this free flowing spontaneous person but you plan and you have like a sequence that you constantly keep improving and then you execute it and then you observe yourself you see how rushed you felt how in control you felt all of that keeps happening and i'm saying this because when you write your lower case letter f there are both loops the upper loop and the lower loop they are well formed now the challenge here that you feel is uh, darushi is like smiling trying to hold his laughter there but uh, the challenge that you face is sometimes the analysis about the execution and about the way you th- do the things become critical self critical and you stay a little longer than you should you indulge and you try to perfect things and you are extremely hard on yourself when you do that um. <laughs> again again absolutely true and you know it's it's interesting i i never saw myself as anybody who does as as a as a as a person who does any sort of planning mm-hmm. and then as you were speaking i'm like oh wait she's seeing she's like looking through me what is going on because uh, even even like uh, today morning i woke up and i was like you know what i want i want this thing in that corner that thing in that corner that thing in that corner but it, like it wasn't like a chore or a task it just came to me and i'm like and then i did it i have i have especially annoyed uh, some of my friends because sometimes when i go to a restaurant i i already know exactly what i want they like dude like what is just can't you just like just try something else i'm like no but like i really i know that i would love it um and yeah the the flip side <laughs> is completely true uh, you can't so uh 
I do have this disease called perfectionism. I'm calling it a disease because that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I agree uh, with you. It is. My realization about three weeks ago, and I actually wrote about it on LinkedIn, was some of my best work will never see the light of day because it's not perfect. And yeah. so I will never publish. Right. And, uh, and I'm like... I can't live a life like this. I want to I want to be able to show the work because the work that's outside of my head, alive and breathing, has a lot more value than than this thing that's this is my head and that could be perfect. Um and I think the so so my my leader Varun um uh so I work at this company called Atlan, fantastic company. Um uh, and and my leader he saw through me. He was like Rishi, I feel like you have this you have this kid of perfectionism mm. um and i'm like you're right varun <laughs> what do i do about it he's like hey mm. here is what i'm trying to do and here is how i deal with it i'm like okay tell me so step number 1 is understand where the thing at hand the problem at hand is it is it a is it a clear case of you know what to do or is it a you know in an exploration when it's a clear case of what to do just build the first thing out and iterate uh till it becomes close to perfect mm. but when it's an abstract thing where you have to figure out what it can be it could be um you know first of all realize that you can't make an unknown thing perfect you have to first like ground it in some reality so your first draft has to be out mm. so you again bring it back to reality you you build the dirtiest thing and then you start building on top like don't edit as you're writing write it first and That's then true. the shittiest way the 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 worst thing that you can write yeah. write it down be like this is my worst attempt and this is what it, exactly what it's going to be and then start working it because an absolute unknown you can't get into a direction without knowing where to go once you know that okay you only have to for instance i once i know that i only have to clean my house i know there mm-hmm. are you know certain number of corners there will be jhadu there will be like pocha like i know exactly what to do when you know exactly what to do it's much easier to to practice perfectionism or the lack thereof but in an abstract form if i try to put perfectionism i just enter into into a complete existential crisis i'm like but it looked like a simpler problem when yeah. i first read it but yeah. it's been four weeks what, what's going on like and i think one of the the more hard hitting expressions of that was back in 2016 i was writing a uh, writing a book for kids we were trying to simplify science and technology and and um design and bring it to a level of an 8 year old and i had like two fantastic co-authors who i was working with and each chapter was given about 15 days to write and sometimes it took me like 45 days to write a chapter and it has like 500 words and i'm like bro what is going on and it's only now like 6 years later i realized that i was using perfectionism in the wrong context so i was just getting stuck in my own way So we are using yeah, I got that absolutely right. <laughs> we are using perfectionism interchangeably with pursuit of excellence. In in Japanese there is a word called kodawari which means your personal standard of excellence and which I feel mm. all of us must have them because this mm. is where your internal GPS mechanism actually works. Right? You you produce something, you do something and you say wait, uh I think I could have done it better in these three four ways or you know enhancing the system and making it better and i i love that aspect about constantly striving to hit that note like for me every analysis is 
is connecting with myself and hitting that note if i don't do it no matter mm. how amazing people find it i feel no you know what i could have done it better this session could have been nicer in these five ways but perfectionism is fear of failure yeah so yeah. there are two completely different motives with which we run and the actions exactly look the same and people are like oh you're improving here you're improving here no 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 the motives are so different that your emotional experience of the same thing is completely different because of which so yeah i think that is an yeah. essential perfectionism aspect. uh i mean just to like quickly add to that right? i've noticed now over the last 4 5 years is that perfectionism is my attempt to 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 control the perception of who i am instead of actually doing the work so true so, so it's it's relevant whether my work think. is great yeah yeah so you know, i think so i think my call for it right they just keep telling the world that they're doing the work they just keep convincing that oh, i spent so many hours i was at it whole day but that doesn't mean anything if you just like it's either done or it's not done It's so true. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So one of those instances when a friend of mine caught me in my own bullshit was, I called him up and said, "Hey Dash, I've been like, I've been meditating for a hundred days, meditating for a hundred days." He's like, "Why are you counting?" <laughs> and I'm like, yes. "Oh wow, hack <laughs> gone. Why am I counting?" And then he's like, "You have to ask yourself whether it's more important for people to know that you meditate, mm. or it is important for you to." to meditate and hence get closer to yourself like what's more important to you i'm like dash why you do this man like i was oh. i was i was happily living in one bubble <laughs> just you know meditator this that this that and i'm like oh shit like this yeah so that I hit me very I, hard when i do my yoga practice i generally don't make videos and all of that i think we have like one or two photo shoots or videos that we have done on that and the only reason is i do not want to see how it looks i just want to have my internal perception my breathing my body telling me and i feel anybody observing it externally or me observing it externally just takes away from the process of just being with yourself when you are on that journey so yeah i agree i'm just going to say one thing which i'm aspiring towards now um and again this is one of those things that ended up coming on to paper i i absolutely 100% love the people who look terribly when dancing but oh, dance yeah. anyway because they want to oh i, I am that person for sure <laughs> i i want to get to that place where I, you know oh. what i'm doing this because i want to do it and nothing else matters and nothing else matters because dance has got nothing to do with it being good or bad dance has okay. got to do with movement i have to you tell know, you just losing okay? the forest for the trees yeah there's a place in bombay we used to go very often and they used to play bollywood music and i love bollywood music i'm very proud about it that i love bollywood music and i used to love dancing and then suddenly after like a few months uh, the place was doing well so they hired a photographer and next thing i knew on their social media page there was a photograph of mine dancing like crazy and i looked at that photo i'm like oh my god i look like this <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, like that I was a know. moment of realization. You're like, oh, that happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's too real. It's too real. But but you know, I think uh, I think Aditi, that's where a community really helps you grow. When they can ask you a critical question like, "Bhutrishi, why are you counting?" Mm, Or, "Hey, Aditi, why are you look? Why are you even like looking at the judgment of yourself about the picture? Mm, okay. Did you have fun?" Absolutely. And 
and then that's it like nothing else matters i think yeah that's where a community of like people who genuinely care about who you are and want to see you grow yeah. i think yeah that's where it really comes in on today's segment of stroke of graphology i would like to explore the fear of success stroke a bit more you know most of the time people do not understand it back in the day when i discovered it i think in 2004 or 5 I couldn't believe it. I'm like how can people be scared of success? I understand being scared of failure, but success isn't that what we all strive for? Isn't that what we aspire to become one fine day? Why would you avoid it? But the mind is a tricky space. The deep-rooted subconscious fears play an important role. People with fear of success work extremely hard. They do everything in their capacity to get the project going, to talk to the people required. but they do not believe that they deserve the success they do not believe that they can be successful in ways that others aspire for them or they should be now this conflict of fear of success is what gets to people they do not realize that they are fighting the demon inside and not outside they do everything but they disappear in the moments of recognition they work very hard in the same profession over years but when they are about to get that promotion or that next opportunity they shy away from it they create ways in which they do not land up in that position because they do not wish to and mostly people don't relate to it when i say it for the first time if you have that self awareness is when you can observe your fear of success the stroke of handwriting that defines it talks about it is the lower case letter y where the loop is completed the bottom loop is completed and after that the stroke comes downwards so instead of reaching the neck of the y you know that u portion of the y instead of reaching it there it starts turning down and starts coming down that is your y loop for fear of success if you do not have that y loop my friend then you might feel that you have fear of success but i can be 99% sure that the reason could be something else and not fear of success you know sometimes when we read all these articles on google we say ha huh, this is applicable to me yeah i also have this which may or may not be true so i'm asking you to look at your handwriting because all the information that you think about yourself might not be true and handwriting or graphology can become your way of assessing it they know that right diagnosis is crucial so look for that stroke and if you have fear of success in your handwriting then identify how exactly your mind talks you out of the possibility of success and why and if you find fear of success in your writing or in your behavior then do one thing start journaling all your beliefs about success why is it good and most importantly why it is bad so take a page divide it into two halves and ask yourself if i get that next promotion what will that do to me positively and negatively sometimes you believe that if i get that promotion my best friend who at work will hate me because i will be his or her boss you may think that oh that might mean extra responsibility that i'm not ready to take that may mean being part of the politics that you don't know how to resolve the fear of success may look like any one of these so make sure that you make a list on both ends okay so on that note let's get back to our conversation with rishi so what do you rishi what question you have for me so well i have <laughs> Now that you said that I plan I have five <laughs> questions for you. Okay, done. Bring it on. <laughs> so um 
Okay, so I believe my my strengths are in empathy and conceptualization. I, I was trained as an engineer, so of course I have that. And then I use those in everything I do. Now, but empathy and conceptualizations are not skills I picked up as a part of a program or a school or college, right? I don't know where they where they come from, but they are here. Now it's something that can't be taught in my mind or trained. How do I get better at these skills? Because it's not now a question for me to oh, how will I get a promotion if I get better at this? But more towards a self-actualization concept. Like, how do I really become the person who can truly empathize and then truly like go deep in conceptualization, especially when there are no courses to learn from? Like, how do I get better at it? So I believe empathy is such a subtle emotion or practice or something that we naturally have. It's just that we don't know we have it. We just do not value it. It is not a commercial term. So until people didn't label it, we thought we never had it and we had to build on it. I look at your writing, Rishi, if you can connect with other person's pain when they're going through it, and it's not connecting to them and their pain. It's empathy. One of the simplest definition I feel, Brene Brown presented it. She said, when you connect with your pain and you know, you you know how real it feels. You might not understand what the other person is going through, but you just create space. You hold space for them to one, feel the way they feel. And if they choose to, then you help them climb or you climb with them. I mm. feel that that ability to hold space for other people and know that that emotion is extremely real and how you felt about it suddenly changes everything. I'm going to give you a small example. I recently uh, became part of this LinkedIn creator accelerator group. And one of the girls on the group wrote about her father's health being really bad and he's in the ICU. So I reached out to her and saying, hey, you know, like in case you feel like talking, you know, you can, we can talk about it or whatever. And uh, that time her father was sick and eventually he got better. And after that, she messaged me, she's like, Aditi, you don't know me and you still reached out. Such a sweet thing to do. And I'm like, I don't know you, but I know how a daughter feels when her father is in the hospital, right? So mm. that's my personal emotion. And when I could connect with someone going through a similar journey, whether you reach out or not, that depends on your practical requirements and practical things. But empathy is practiced when you give yourself that moment to connect with yourself in every exposure of emotion that you feel. Mm. So if you want to practice it, if you want to be better at it, it's not only about what you tell to the other people. It's about how you experience that emotion and, and what you do with it in your mind, in your journaling session, mm. is where you make this skill even better. And that can happen through a film that you watch. That can happen through a story that you read. So empathy is not always about other people. I feel it's never about other people. It's always about... What is your connection and relationship with your own emotions? Hmm. Thanks for sharing. And if you wish to make it better, then I would say expose yourself to the most random people that you can think about. Like if I find someone weird in my mind, if at all, then I make sure that I go walk up to that person and have a conversation because if I find them weird, that means I do not empathize pro about their story. I don't have the maturity to understand where they come from. And that's why I label them, I judge them. So anytime yeah. I find somebody, you know, 
too drunk too stupid to anything that i feel is like weird or like not good i make it a point as a practice to walk up to that person and have a conversation just to know that i'm nobody to have any label on anybody hmm yeah thanks for sharing i i i was doing this thing for the last couple of weeks i had no idea that it was an exercise of empathy um so on my instagram i just reach out to run i i just post a story saying listen i i can speak to one person this week no names no titles no backgrounds just your story and what you're feeling um i had no idea that it was actually in in a in an unknown way i was sort of practicing that uh, yeah thanks for sharing yeah that's very useful that's yeah. very useful okay next question yes sir uh what do i do if i'm scared of ambition um i don't honestly know what is the definition of ambition for me uh i think i'm 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 living the life that i'm very very grateful for and in in case like this was this, this like in case today was it like it would be like perfect like nothing is like missing you know what i mean congratulations if you really feel this way wow yeah thank you uh so but but when when somebody does ask me what is your 5 year 10 year 20 year thing i don't have answers to it you know what i mean like i don't have this ambition of oh i should have x amount of money in the bank i should look like this and all that i don't mm. and and sometimes i wonder if i don't have an answer because i'm scared of ambition mm. so assuming that i am scared of ambition mm. like how do i get past it so let's kind of for the assumption let's kind of use handwriting to see whether that is true or not okay we have a stroke in uh, the letter y after completing the loop lower loop of the letter y if the stroke continues to turn and go downwards then that shows the person has fear of success hmm okay in your case i hmm. did find it in multiple places so what you are feeling hmm. is not untrue but let's understand where this fear comes from and there are multiple reasons that i have observed in people and mostly very successful people because they did that one route of being extremely successful and then they realize that oh my god i have to continue being like this this is what people expect from me but i didn't do the first route because i wanted to please them i did it for me and now that i want to do it for me again there's a possibility of failing mm. and they are not ready for it i am i would like to jump and explore it and you know like probably you know for a, for a film star maybe like do one more film that i like and that might be a flop and i'm okay with it but the producers want me to give one more hit and one more hit and one more hit so that they would make money so the pressure mm-hmm. between what i genuinely know that is true about me versus what people mm-hmm. tell me should be true about me mm-hmm. that gap yeah can create fear of success and people don't believe in it they're like oh there must be fear of failure why would somebody fear success but it's a it's a very important skill that people miss the other aspect of it is if i succeed then i have to do those things that i'm completely uninterested in it's like yeah. if you tomorrow become say an entrepreneur then you will have to and if you get funded for example then you have to function in a certain manner that you don't want to 
you love your life you love waking up and playing music whenever you like or writing or thinking about the problems and this is where you thrive but playing that role will require you to become that character and you don't fancy that you're like but i don't want to be that character and you know that but accepting it feels like some sort of betrayal because you know you're talented yeah. you know you have all that potential and you know how people think oh you have so much of talent you should but there's nothing like we should it is like what we choose to and what we land up yeah. so how to deal with it i would uh, simply put this idea like a little seed and i know you would like take it to the next level but what we do with our lives stop bothering us as long as every day we are intensely involved in why we do what we do hmm so that intense involvement not just a reminder that intense involvement and that's a choice you know people who love cooking they're intensely involved in cooking they just they just don't finish the chore that they actually enjoy each bit of it and they know and they feel privileged when they do it so that intense involvement and in that every small action that you take towards whatever you're doing if that why mm. is completely experienced and and felt in those moments the what would not matter as much mm. right having said that in the moments when you're completely quiet calm feeling in alignment with yourself i always recommend that you sit down and in those moments only just ask yourself so what would i like to do with this life or in this life you know just like what is that that trajectory not like a goal that would you would like fight for but just literally like what would i like to spend all my energy that i'm here in which way now in those moments when you ask questions like these some very subtle inspirations come to you and you know mm. they're true about you you know they just like they just stand out and we all have yeah. experienced it you might have not paid attention but we all have experienced those moments where these beautiful little moments just visit us like butterflies now i feel pick that and don't keep changing it in that moment when you felt that alignment all of that happened just pick that and next 4 years 5 years until you feel that still uh entice you still if you can flirt with that idea it just makes you feel connected to it then until you are not done just stay on that course hmm and then do that again after like 4 5 years but don't keep changing what happens with most people is because they're like but i can do this i can do that i can do this i can do that in that whole process they do not commit to anything they do not hmm. go in that intense level see the whole magic happens in intensity intensely yeah. listening intensely talking intensely you know any act that an intensity i feel people do not allow themselves to be in that flow in that deeper connection and yeah. this is where everything starts feeling meaningless if you are intensely involved even if you are doing doing dishes every day it doesn't matter hmm yeah thanks for sharing i think uh yeah it checks out it feels it it felt like you were like reading my mind again <laughs> which is like at this point i mean sure it's, it's absolutely it's absolutely right um but yeah thank you for sharing i think uh it checks out two things that you just said one of them is the commitment to a thing 
that you want to continue doing. Um, I've been realizing that true compounding actually only happens by going deep and doing it for long term. Otherwise, it doesn't compound. Sure. Anything doesn't compound. Work, skills, relationships, money in the bank, or okay. in the stock market for that matter, it doesn't compound. Um, and the second thing, I'm I'm so glad you used the word you did because I it's easier for me to to sit with the feeling and know the feeling mm -hmm. and to be like hey am i feeling am i feeling complete right now like in meditation if you're if you're not doing a guided meditation you know when the meditation is complete right you it just comes to you mm -hmm. so this makes sense yeah I, I i have to get better at learning to flirt with it but definitely yeah but this flirting with the idea is like the most important thing. Like if I, like I was telling, I think yesterday when we had that short call, I'm, I blush every time I'm talking about it and I'm blushing, but I, I talk about a handwriting sample and I blush and it's 20 years. This, this has not changed. And yeah. it was a period where it, it stopped. Like I think like for like brief one or two months and I was so worried. I'm like, I don't look forward to looking at handwriting sample. What's up with me? And that was the point I took a sabbatical because I'm like, I don't want to be this person who is just like doing things. And that was my commitment mm. to myself. But then it came back. Then I started like, you know, blushing again. And I'm like, now is the point to get back to my, my mm. work because that relationship is, is so important. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I felt the same thing about writing. I felt the same thing about music. Mm. Uh, I, I did not touch my guitar for like six, seven years. I can imagine. And then one day, one day I just felt like it again and I'm back at it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think it's reassuring to hear your story and know that I can come back to it. It's not going to be completely lost forever. But I think that's very reassuring. It's also a choice. Like back in the day, I had to take a sabbatical because I didn't have the, the tools required for it. Today, if I start hmm. feeling like this, I would treat the same problem differently. Like if I hmm. ever feel that I, I don't feel like doing something instead of taking a complete break, I would trigger myself in that activity over and over again. Like on, mm. I want to, um, I, I do line art and I love doing it, especially when I have very busy days, I would take 15 minutes and last few days, because we are launching our next uh, entire year of the mental gym app, I have been like extremely busy, but on my desk, there is uh, the pen set of the drawing and the pages open. There's one page that is open and I look at it every day. So I know, mm. I, and whenever I look at it, I know that, oh, I will get back to it. So I haven't like completely kept it away because this is the way in which you stay in that process. And I can tell you that it keeps calling me out and I, I, I have that relationship on. But if I, if I would have kept it somewhere else, then I would have forgotten about mm. it. So that, yeah, different approach for me now. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, I I, I think I do the flirting with books. Mm -hmm. I'll go to a book in a in a in a random bookshop, and I'll pick up a random page, and see if the book is calling me. Yeah. Unfortunately, all almost all the times there are books that call me, and they come home with me, and then I of course get to read them. <laughs> But I've realized I that like, there is there is this. I love, uh, I love the fact that you're using the analogy. They come home with me. That's my story with oh. book. Oh my god! Like I have just like yeah. I have traveled abroad, and like the only thing I bought were the books. And people are like, "These are heavy things. Why would you buy it?" I'm like, "I don't want to buy anything else but my books." So yeah, I'm yeah. Here. 
yeah 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 i love my books um but i but i'm also in a place now where i know that when the book is ready it's going to call me yeah um, so of course there's my intention yeah but also yeah. the same thing applicable so we believe that the relationship with a book or a song or a person we identify we understand we don't look at the same way in terms of our work we can also have the same relationship you know it becomes yeah. so transactional most of the time so there are parts of your work that are always transactional and they will be because hmm. you know, other people are in getting benefited and you're supposed to deliver but then there are parts which are completely personal like hmm. showing up and doing the analysis or doing coaching session is a transactional aspect of my work but how do you do it and how deep do you go and how do you connect with yourself while you are analyzing the other person and how you keep that two way connection open every single time is your connection with yourself and that is your kodavari the personal standard of excellence so if that is missing that intensity yeah. then transactions become extremely difficult and people feel bound by it and then they feel anxiety and all of that happens that's not because they are there's not other people causing it is because they are not being themselves in the things that they are doing yeah 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 thanks for sharing um okay moving on to the other questions okay um so of course you spoke about uh, the fear of success yeah uh, i also i have recognized that i have a fear of making mistakes because now i'm not just hey that's another dude making a mistake <laughs> now here is all the titles in front of my name <laughs> yeah. and then dude making a mistake and how can he do it like maybe he doesn't deserve it yeah. right so <laughs> i don't know how to move forward so like a spelling said- mistake sometimes can trigger such a existential crisis mm-hmm. Yeah. but rishi how can how can you do this and i'm like wait i was putting the same pressure on me yeah. i'm not saying ki are yeah but like look at everything else how creative it is but like no you made that spelling mistake you must not know how to write it right? that's how bad it gets to me like that quickly it escalates so my how do i move fast it rishi how many books do you have to write to convince yourself that you're a great writer i don't know i don't think there's a number how how many times you would have meet barack obama to just like believe that you can simply like i i was like going through your your work and i'm like boy this 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 okay you're younger to me i'm saying okay for in this journey you have like achieved or experienced so much not achieved in terms of titles only but experienced so much and that only means the person who is curious and open to life who is like you know willing to drop the titles so i have i have a i have small game that i play okay in my mind so i started uh, working with ceo cxos when i was 22 23 and after some time you start believing that you are as talented as everybody tells you you are right just start believing in you buy into that idea and that was detrimental like that made me so unhappy those were the times where i actually started feeling that oh my god am i enjoying my work or not because the titles become more important than who you are and why you started doing things in the first place right so that time the the question the reminder is for me is you don't matter hmm like this whole idea of you of the person that you have become so the word aditi means unbounded and that also means that it is it is just a thought like you can just be whatever 
but you're not anything that you become mm-hmm. so you can can you be the extremely prolific writer yeah can you be the extremely stupid person who's making mistakes yeah, yeah. can you be like this classical singer if you choose to be and you know the soulful singer that you are or can you also be somebody who's like singing absolutely horribly in moments mm-hmm. so the, the 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 principle i learned from natya shastra is any good actor is the one who has a great range mm-hmm. all nine emotions not somebody who can pick like three emotions and perform wonderfully is like a great actor would always have all nine emotions and he can be the clown and he can be the king and he can be the villain and he can be like the the lover he can be everything and i'm like oh my god isn't that true for us yeah thanks for sharing i think uh, that's where my crisis comes from when i can be everything yeah and then there is a crisis of choice that do but like who do i be and then of course i get in my own head there you know Yeah. but i think yeah you said it right um to to remove the titles and then like i think the language that i use is show me the substance that you know you have but and also, then do what you want but that's hmm. also is subjective because you don't have to always question the substance you have hmm. the substance you have experimented with it now it's a complete matter of choice because if you get into like do i have the substance or not every now and then then it becomes like a, a test that you have to pass to be the rishi that you are but yeah. you don't have to pass any test you know like people re- write a lot about i deserve this i deserve success i deserve i'm like we don't deserve anything like what do you deserve like why do you deserve because you went to a great school because you achieved something in the past because you belong to a certain family like or that nationality we don't deserve anything we can choose to experiment we can choose to engage we can choose to experience something but we as people do not deserve anything and that whole idea of deserving having the past record i always feel like it has just spoiled people's career than actually helping them grow more mm. and experiment more i remember the story yeah. where vita bachchan uh, had lost all his wealth like great part of his wealth in abcl crisis and it's a very famous story where he walked physically walked to uh, uh chopra's house and there he asked him can you please give me work and i feel amitabh bachchan after having all that success and all that brand and being like the bachchan if he mm. could have the the presence in his life and you know, presence of mind presence of practical understanding and he said okay you know now i i thought i could do it now i can't let me just go and restart again right and obviously mm. after that kbc happened and all of that happened but to have that that realization i would not even say humility i don't know what emotion he might have experienced i can't comment on it but just that ability to observe things and say i had this great past and now i do not or i choose to create something different so i am a complete new be into this world that i'm walking into i am hmm. probably a student of it i think that can only happen when we let go of our titles hmm all right <laughs> that's very hard you know um but i can try 
I'll I'll try that. I know it is extremely difficult, and it's something that I shared with you the other day, and I have shared this on on the podcast uh, before. But generally, I don't talk about it because people don't get the context. But podcast is a space, like you know, our listeners have been listening to our conversations for a very long time. But at twenty six, when I was going through my sabbatical, the name that was given to me by my father was the brand of the work that I was doing. My all work was on my personal brand. and uh, i went through this phase for 2 3 months and it actually was building up which i didn't realize and i took a mm. sabbatical and in that sabbatical i think i did the the toughest but also the most beautiful gift i could ever give to myself i i disowned my name the name that had become my brand that had all the identity attached and in like few days i became nobody because the new name had mm. no internet presence wherever i went people didn't know who i was what i did and suddenly at 26 to just lose your body of work completely was uh, like feeling suspended but that was a time i started experiencing life in a new way again and uh, i feel that taught me so much to be able to to break away from anything that you identify with and then just to build it so now if something comes to like oh my god you may fail you may do something that's you know incorrect and people may laugh at you i always remember that experience that if you could go to that zero point and build again you hmm. can do it any time and then the whole attachment probably is where the hmm. work is attachment to that yeah idea. yeah yeah no thanks for sharing uh, very aligned very aligned with that i think you know this reminds me of a quote i heard somewhere and i don't and and because i've been like writing a lot of stuff down i don't know at what point is it is it my thought is it coming from somebody <laughs> else or is it like coming from the universe i don't know yeah but but i i remember writing that i if there is a wish i could wish for the people i want to wish mm. i wish that crisis hits them early wow. so that they can like they can like start living a more authentic life you know the approach that you said like that experience in tw- at 26 i mean i'm sure that the success before that was great but i've often realized that i am a great rewriter i i don't know if i create wow. content <laughs> or create sad. whatever in the well, first attempt right but the the opportunity to be able to rewrite yeah i think it's 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 a privilege and often crisis crisis helps you realize that hey you can always rewrite um again the story is always in our own heads earning respect that is my topic for coach the coach now hear me out okay when i started my career i was 17 and a half 18 and a half and i would walk up to people and talk about their personalities they generally thought i'm like this kid out of college which i was and they thought that i wouldn't know much because i looked very simple i was like a middle class child and they looked at me like what would she know and mostly dismissed my abilities or even that i can do something worthwhile until the golden moment when i received their handwriting sample and i got first 3 minutes to talk to them after those first 3 minutes the game changed people wanted to listen to me they wanted to ask me questions they had questions that that time i had no answers for so earning respect is two parts right like first is getting that foot in the door because i was very young and i did not have life experiences to support what i was saying my analysis was great 
but that did not mean that i could solve the problem i could analyze the situation talk about specific areas but couldn't come with ways in which people could really make improvements so earning respect sometimes feels like people recognizing how cool you are how brilliant you are how talented you are but that is only the first part of the game the second part which is actual long term respect earned is about you delivering on the promises that you make you respecting your own words you working for each assignment to make sure that you upgrade yourself to be able to learn something and the most important aspect of that is knowing what you do not know you know as a leader or a manager you might be going through so many situations where people look up to you they come and ask you questions and that authority is very addictive i can imagine like i started talking to ceos cxos when i was 22 23 and a part of me started validating and becoming super uh, cool in my own mind and also entitled entitled for the respect that i was receiving in no time that entitlement started weighing me down i'm sharing this personal experience because it's very easy for us to point at other people and say hey you shouldn't be doing it but think about any moment where you were given an opportunity that possibility of doing the work that you said you will be doing and you did not honor your own words you lost respect a little bit and then you didn't do it again you lost it a bit more now here is a point losing respect is fine earning respect requires you to make changes in the way you work in the way you function it can't be only the words that you speak people say but i promised this or i said i will be doing it that all falls flat on the face if you do not take actions to genuinely work towards it right and most importantly when you don't respect your own words it is extremely difficult for other people to respect your words so do one thing as i was mentioning is your personal standard of excellence or kodavari in japanese just take out some time and say hey what promises am i making to other people and how am i going to deliver on them if you start trusting your own word then you actually allow people to trust you if you don't trust your own words if you don't respect them people not going to do it i hope this helps If you want to be part of this action oriented action hero kind of environment join the global community of apt mental gym people from all around the world work every single day in our community to question their own limitations to be better than what they were and to improve and enhance their mental capacities their emotional capacities to become the leaders that they wish to be it's a community for high performers and that is my favorite part of it the website is aptmentalgym.com let's get back to our conversation with rishi because he has some interesting points to share with us about how he looks at the three things that only rishi can teach us so rishi on that yeah. note can i ask you the three things that only rishi can teach us so teaching has a lot of a uh, <laughs> lot of pressure associated but i can but i can speak about yeah i can i can speak about uh maybe three things that um yeah that that i think that were moments of small crisis in my own way and 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 what helped me sort of move move forward from there uh one is um i think okay so here is the problem the i've always accused myself for being an overthinker 
and i've been always accused by the closest one of being an overthinker but i'm like but i also do my life's best work when i when i think out of bounds mm. and yet when i do it in my personal space it's called anxiety so like <laughs> what is it <laughs> right i think i think that's where two things have really helped uh in the case of overthinking one to be able to come back and feel my toes and feel them often mm. um which is to come back to presence and the second thing is uh the realization that mind is a machine mm. in some ways and and as long as you give it the fuel it's going to escalate it whether it's a great idea or a bad idea right i think someone famous also said something along the same lines you will you will you will reap what you're sowing in your mind mm. so i'm like hey what if if i if i took a step back from it and just put it out on paper so it's out of my mind what what ha- what happens then so i think writing the thoughts out through the day not like just use 15 minutes in the morning but like when something is coming and it's a, it's becoming a repeated loop just mm-hmm. putting it out on paper and then taking a step back i've realized that of, often when i've written a thought that's that's worrying me on paper mm-hmm. my shoulders relax i'm able to breathe again yeah uh, then i and then when i approach food i i approach food because i want to eat it not because i have to eat it mm-hmm. you know so that changes so overthinking those were the two things that so that i have learned just to like look at it so when you catch yourself in the overthinking loop which becomes uncontrollable hmm. so one is you're thinking about a problem and then it goes beyond yeah. you and it just starts thinking you instead of you thinking it so it just becomes yeah. like automatic response or something like that in that case the first thing you do is you feel your toes and you say hey let me just bring myself back into this moment because my mind is going all over the place and second thing is you think on paper instead of thinking just yeah. in this intangible world because then it can go anywhere yeah. you start thinking on paper yeah. thinking both these things yeah. extremely valuable and i think i think i'm i i have a i have an itch of uh, getting aligned on the principles and the definitions mm-hmm. so for our listeners here is what i define overthinking any reactionary thinking mm. to me which is getting out of bounds is overthinking mm. any intentional thinking Hmm. getting out of bounds is probably conceptualizing probably brainstorming and that's how i draw the difference wow. um if i am if i'm reacting to a thing a situation a comment a food of myself whatever it could be like that's where i mostly end up going in the overthinking in the in the wrong way so if so, you have to use yeah. victor frankl's philosophy here then he says it is either responding or reacting so respond when you Absolutely. choose to think and you choose your responses to no matter what you're thrown into and in very yeah. stressful situations also you can choose to respond and in a very yeah. happy moment also you can choose to react or be overthinking about it so yeah yeah wonderful. thank you yeah. this was really, uh, really beautiful thank you uh the second one is uh, i think my learning from the year 2016 2017 um i had just started this new role mm-hmm. um at a at a smaller you know zero to one product company mm-hmm. we were trying to build like a file transfer tool and i remember walking in I, so i was responsible for everything except signing the checks so it could be mm-hmm. um you know work with the team uh, bring clarity on 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 engineering uh, any help them prioritize things like that uh, to design and this that everything uh, marketing and uh, I realized that when I walked into the door of the office in the morning, I felt like a joke every single day. I felt like 
you know, I'm saying this, but nobody's listening. And I felt like a, a lack of respect. And I, and I started wondering like, what am I, what's going on? Because it's not that the team doesn't listen. They're not listening to me. And what's going on there? Mm. And uh, then I realized, I mean, there were, I think, two main things that I realized. One, I was trying to show up as a perfect person. Uh, and, and it's very hard to empathize with a leader, whether they have the title or not, when they're showing up as a perfect person. Mm. And so everything I, every time I requested something, it came, they said that, listen, you don't even know who we are. You don't understand our problems. Sure. How can you give us direction? Right. right. So it came to me like that. And then, then in time, I think I had the best experience working with team. Um, it was, it was a fantastic, fantastic journey. I think there was, that was a switch to realize mm -hmm. that I'm showing up as a perfect person. I'm not being genuine. I'm being nice over being authentic and niceness is the wall that we carry in front of ourselves, right. Oh, to, right. to block the real us yeah. to show up. Yeah. And I realized that, especially in a position of leadership, whether it is with a title or not, uh, if you are not genuine, you will never be able to, to connect with somebody else and hence communicate with them and hence work with them. So that was my, that was my first learning from that. Um, I think the, the, the second learning is I realized that I have this entitlement saying, yeah, I have this title. This should respect me. Yep. And I'm like, where is that coming from? <laughs> and I realized that, I mean, I think growing, growing up, you hear that when the parents are proud, they're like, oh, our beta has become this and our baby has become XYZ manager. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. So you're speaking of managed, somebody managing a team as mm. an entitled title with power. Okay. But anything, if there's anything that I learned about leadership, I've realized it's got nothing to do with power. It's got to do with influence and it's got to do with trust. And I realized that my entitlement was, was blinding me from being real, genuine and learning how to build trust. And then how that shifted was, uh, I started doing the work, uh, and showing that, Hey, I did my best. This is where I'm stuck. Can you help me get forward mm. from there? Can you help me? How do I imagine in a different perspective? Because I'm getting lost now. And when they saw that, Hey, this guy struggles mm. and it's more important to him that the work gets done than that the work that he has decided for us gets done. Mm. That's yeah. when, that's when I think that started shifting. So that was my learning about, um, leadership and, and title and entitlement. Um, I think the third thing that I would like to share is about procrastination. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, I think, I don't know. I don't know if you've analyzed it, but I'm pretty sure that you can tell <laughs> from my writing that I do procrastinate quite a bit. I agree. Because yeah, so, stroke in the lowercase letter T, that if the yeah. horizontal line is behind the letter T, it uh, shows procrastination and we found a stroke or two like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I mean, of course I do get a, I mean, I live alone uh, and, and I'm single. So I get a lot of time to just think about the things that I want to think about intentionally. One of them was, one of them was about procrastination mm -hmm. and I'll tell you the problem with it. Uh, the book that I spoke to you about that, that uh, I had an opportunity to write um, back in 2016, even though the content came out well, mm -hmm. I could never take ownership of it because procrastination said that, Hey, you did it last minute. 
So mm-hmm. how can it be good? Like, did you do the best you could do? And because answer to that for me was no, I couldn't take ownership of my work. And it has only taken me like six years after the book is, you know, alive and breathing in the world mm-hmm. to actually take ownership of it. So that was the biggest problem with procrastination. Not that things were happening late, mm-hmm. but I could not take ownership of it. And I couldn't say that this was my best work. And when I started thinking deeply about procrastination as a concept, uh, I think my realization has been to ask a simple question. Hmm. Is it a clarity problem? Is it an energy problem? What does that mean? So am I just physically tired and mentally exhausted to attack this problem and hence I'm delaying it? Hmm. Or do I just not know what needs to be done yet? Hmm which is the clarity problem. Yep. And when there is a clarity problem, like just drop your, drop your titles and, and ask, like become annoying to get clarity, but do it saying, <laughs> Hey, I don't know what this means. Yeah. Here are my ideas. Can you just tell me like navigate my thoughts? I don't want you to do the work for me as a leader, but can you just tell me how do I even like what, what doesn't have to be done? And what because the idea what Sorry, you're saying is not only from your team, but also from other experts. So just like from go other, out there and absolutely. ask. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just ask. Um, because, because at some point, you realize that uh, it's only when I'm out of my mind and these, these vague ideas of direction and misdirection are in my mind, the moment I take them out, the moment I get clarity, immediately like I can jump on actual execution. Hmm. Right? Uh, so that's about clarity the second one about energy and about how i'm feeling in this moment mm-hmm. the the biggest learning about that has been that often most of my procrastination goes away if i just if i take a 20 minute nap instead of having another coffee because coffee is going to push me and make me all agitated and stuff like that it'll like empower my head it's going to flush it with a lot of caffeine yeah but it's not going to give me the rest that i need mm-hmm. and Often my best work comes from when I'm feeling rested, when I'm at the calmest place, when I can, like I said, feel my toes. Mm. And when I know that I'm present to this work, it could be the the worst thing that I do, but it's fine. Like I will be able to like do it, things will Mm. move and it'll get to a place where it can go from the first, uh, uh, the first publishing or the first iteration to to an iteration that can evolve yep. right and what i what i re- realized is when i'm low on energy i get stuck into oh, how will i reiterate without even creating the first version of the solution mm. uh, so yes, i'm then so fixating true. on the wrong problem yes yeah, so it's a very uh, small difference but what you said is like instead of writing the first draft we keep thinking how will i improve the draft and what all i require for it oh i don't have that research i don't have that information so when i get that yeah. information i'll write my final draft but we can just begin yeah. with the first draft and say hey research on this research on that gather more information and and we can still you know like move things forward yeah of course yeah and abs- absolutely and and the and the beauty about no draft in the first draft between no draft and the first draft no draft is is me saying to myself hey i need to get a lot done Mm. And the first draft is, hey, I only have four more things to make this better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And hearing myself say that there are just four more things. Yeah. It is. It is empowering. Saying, oh, I'm that much closer to to like yeah. shipping this. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's my third learning. You know, I really like how you said your best work comes when you're calm and in control. So I'm currently writing a book, and the large idea of that book is how calmness is an active emotion. 
it's not mm. like you're chilling it's not like you're like relaxed that's not how calmness feels like that's relaxation but calmness is a yeah. active energy where you can create everything from here but still you mm. are in that poise and the only symbol that i keep thinking about is a nandi which we have outside shiva temples so nandi always has a mm. one foot which is ready to charge and other one is folded and completely rested and i think calmness looks like that that whenever the moment requires you can jump and do the best work but still yeah. you are sitting and you are in that active calmness which can create a lot absolutely and and i think that's what i've learned about the state of flow also mm-hmm. uh the 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 i think the best boxers the best wrestlers they are at their core extremely calm and hence they can do their best work yeah the best dancers uh the best musicians in classical music i love jazz i love you know watching people do the swing dance wow. they are at their core the calmest and hence their body is in motion and that it can be in motion the the idea of a whirling dervish right um wow. i love that because at their core they are calm and hence their body can be everything that it can be and, and do the kind of work the that the body is also applicable to the mind so because Absolutely. you're that calm your mind can then swirl in whichever way possible and you can get a lot done i think if there is a person that i followed over last 12 years minimum is about finding the flow and you know finding ways to find flow so i can't agree yeah. with you next one year of the mental gym going to be dedicated to this idea of finding your flow because i think it's the most important thing that we all require you know actually uh, when we first spoke Uh, at at you know Nas's meetup, you spoke to me about Kama Sutra, right? The the yeah, idea the that you've been working on the stroke. Yeah, yeah. so Kama. And I looked at the Kama Sutra. C L N. Yeah, for our people. <laughs> just to clarify, just to clarify. <laughs> just to so, clarify. <laughs> so uh, I was I was watching a video, you know, right after we spoke about it, and then I experimented with it. Uh huh. And you know, as I was doing it, it 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 brought back one of the learnings from this book called Stillness is the Key. It says yeah. when you're when your body and mind are involved engaged in a repetitive motion yep your mind knows that it is safe and then it can let go wow. and it happened with me like i i i like probably wrote like four five of those strokes like you know line by line and by the fifth one i was like you know what i i i need a nap oh and then i woke up from it and i'm like wow like all this chaos in my head where did it go Wow, uh, that's amazing! So, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, thank you for building the Kam Sutra, C A L M Sutra. <laughs> I appreciate that. I am telling you this one one stroke, and and I feel gifted to be able to find the correlation in that handwriting stroke and anxiety and calmness. I feel I can't even take credit for it. Like it just like the correlation came to you at one point that you were working, but I feel that that just like a game changer because. every person who struggles with overthinking or any fast mind situations and and issues simply training your mind with that in a way mindless stroke but allowing your mind yeah. to be completely in the moment just changes the game so give it 7 days give it 21 days but practice it half page is okay one page is okay but keep doing repetitive actions so that your mind start trusting what you're talking about journaling yeah absolutely and i think especially now when most of us are knowledge workers whether we know it or not we are yeah. knowledge workers we have thinking jobs yeah. um the the most incredible resource for us is one attention yeah second focus 
and third access to our own minds wow. and if an act of uh, writing or movement like, like a physical movement like any repetitive exercise like i love cycling for that matter because my mind sort of opens up any act of repetition uh, brings me like enables me access to my brain my mind mm -hmm. so then i can prepare myself for the best work i can do um so yeah i think i think it's essential i think everybody should do it again should has a lot of violence in it but everybody it's it's important that we do uh, yeah. do it's important that we do the things that will help us more access to our mind i think i i love what you said it is a focus attention and access just yeah thank you I'm making notes I'm like oh so thank you rishi thank you so much for being part of the absolutely right journey every single guest on our show always come and amuses me and our listeners about the way they interpret and observe and look at life and the solutions of it and you have just added so many things for us to think about so thank you thank you so much for having me aditi this was it felt like i was talking to an old friend who knows everything about me anyway which is like which is beautiful and creepy and at the same time I'm like how is she doing this um, that's yeah, the, this that's was, the this best compliment i could ever receive because if if our old friends can come back and talk to us in like these conversation is as like the best compliment thank you yeah thanks aditi this was this was wonderful thank you thank you so much for joining me one more time on india's only podcast with graphology and leadership in it My name is Aditi Sarana. I'm your host. Please send me any question that you have about leadership, personality, behavior, mental fitness, anything that you like on my email ID, write w r i t e at aditisarana dot com. Go ahead, check out our website, Apt Mental Gym, which is India's only mental gym that we have crafted for anybody who would like to take their journey to the next level of growth. And I believe mindsets can't be created overnight. You got to work at them by taking small actions every single day. So the mental gym is created for you to take small everyday actions so that you can build that growth mindset that high performance mindset. I'll see you next week with one more episode of the Absolutely Right podcast. Till then, happy writing.